just want to say how thankful I am to be here this morning, to have the opportunity to come together to worship the Lord, to study from His Word, sing praises to Him. Today is not about me. Today is not about what I want. Today is about God. But that is not the only thing it is about. Today is also about you. I am so thankful to be here because I am so thankful for each and every one of you. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to come and to learn together, to come and to grow together. And for that, I'm thankful for the men who have led this morning. I'm thankful for the songs that Logan has led us in and the prayers and the, the Lord's Supper that has been observed. I'm thankful for the input that each and every one of you puts in, especially those who, who have not done anything this morning in the public view, those that have done things behind the scenes, those that have done things just in, in being here and lifting us up with your presence. And and it's with these thoughts this morning and with the thought of our, our scripture reading this morning that, that I want to focus on as we go throughout our sermon this morning. In, in my life, I've noticed, I've noticed something in every single church that I've attended. Every church that, I, that I've been a part of, that, I, that I've congregated with, I've noticed this thing every single one, in every single one of them. There are those who will attend every time the church meets. That is to say that uh, in the morning, uh, Sunday morning for Bible study, they are there. And Sunday afternoon, they are there. When we congregate again, Wednesday night for Bible study, they will make sure that they attend those services. If we hold a meeting... They will be there for the meeting. And even if they're attending or neighboring congregations that are holding meetings, they're going to do what they can to be at those meetings. I've noticed that every congregation has Christians like that. I've also noticed that there are congregations that have Christians who attend less frequently. They may show up just for Sunday morning services, and they may not be there for the Bible studies. They may not be there for, for mid-week studies to help us to, that are designed to help us to grow. And they may not attend the, the meetings that we have and, and are rarely seen at the meetings held in other congregations. We might ask the question, well, what's so important about attendance? Now this morning, get my clicker turned on. This morning, I want to suggest to you that we have the uh, these sheets that I've passed out to the children and to anyone else who is interested in them to take notes on, maybe draw something that you see from this lesson, you might notice something in this lesson that comes from right inside this building. You might notice something that you have seen before. You might notice something that looks familiar. And we'll give you bonus points if you can figure out what that is. <clears throat> but I want to ask the question, what's so important about attendance? Does it really make a difference, our attendance? I believe that it does. I believe it makes a very real difference. And I want to say that that difference is found in the lives of the individual Christians. That difference is also found in the lives of the congregation. I want to give you a few reasons today why every Christian should attend or attempt to attend every service that they can. Now, I want to go ahead and preface this with the fact that I'm not talking about when you are sick I'm not talking about an illness or even something, some sort of situation that is just simply beyond your control. There are going to be times when these things arise, and, and we are going to be realistic when we, when we look at this. But there are several reasons why Christians gather together at every possible opportunity. Some of those reasons include the, the reasons that they want to just simply fulfill the commandments of God. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. 
Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. And as you turn there, maybe you're thinking, okay, let's get our helmets out because we're getting ready to get bashed over the head with this verse. This is the verse that a lot of times preachers turn to to, to, to bash the, those who have an irregular uh, attendance into, into line. But that's not the case with this verse. I would like to say that right now. This verse is not meant to bash anybody. This first command that we see here is the command to not forsake the assembling. We read here, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exerting, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not to forsake the assembly. What does that mean? Well, if we look at forsake in the dictionary, it means to completely abandon. To completely abandon. Now, in all honesty, I, I would not be able to say that someone who maybe only attends a, a one time a week has completely abandoned the church. They have not forsaken the assembling, but they certainly have made it easier to fall into that snare. See, those who have, who, who have made it a habit of themselves to faithfully attend as po- many times as possible are less likely, not, I don't want to say that they will not, but are less likely to fall into that snare of abandoning the body of Christ. But as I said, this passage does have a deeper meaning than this. This passage was not intended to beat those upon the head who are infrequent in their, in their services, but its purpose was intended to encourage us, encourage us to have a certain attitude towards one another. Its, its purposes were not simply to say, when those doors are open, you should be inside this building. That was not the purpose of this passage. In fact, if we look back at verse 24, the purpose of this passage was to encourage us to consider one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. How can we stir up one another to love and good works? How can we consider one another if we are hardly ever together? Can we be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters? Can we fulfill God's commandments if we are not attending with one another whenever we have the opportunity? Another commandment that we see that, that we need to ask, can we fulfill this commandment if we, if we do not attend when we, when we come together to worship, is how are we edifying one another? Turn over to Romans. <clears throat> Romans chapter, four, chapter 14, excuse me. Romans chapter 14 and verse 19. Romans 14 and verse 19 says, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify another. Let us pursue the things. This word pursue. Can we ask or can we say that we are pursuing things that lead to edification? The word pursue is something it means that you are you are following after or you are chasing after something in order to catch it or in order to attain it. Can we honestly say that we pursue the edification of our brothers and sisters in Christ, but only show up to services here or there? Only show up whenever it's convenient, maybe. I'm going to suggest that, that it's really hard for us, in fact, almost impossible for us to edify one another if we are not here. If we are not here with our brothers and sisters to get to know one another, to find out where we need edification from. Maybe you do not have a desire. You don't have a desire to join together with your brethren and study you don't have a desire to join together with your brethren in worship, then how can we honestly expect ourselves to have a desire to build one another up? 
Because the fact is, the fact is your presence, your presence and your presence alone encourages others. In fact, one of the most important steps in building one another up is showing up, is being together. And if we aren't edifying our brethren, if we aren't taking time to build one another up, then how can we say that we are fulfilling Matthew 6 and verse 33, which tells us to seek first the kingdom of God? Matthew 6 verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus certainly desires us to do that. That's what that's Jesus' words there saying, this is what I intend for you to do. Seek first the kingdom. But that doesn't mean that we have no other priorities in our lives. It simply means that we understand how to put them in the right order. Which things should come first in our lives? Many Christians, myself included, would not accept a job if it meant that they would have to miss services uh, on a frequent basis. Yes, again, as I prefaced before, there are times that things are out of our control. There are times when things are going to happen that, that we all understand that. But there are many of us who would say, I will not work this job if it means that I'm never going to be allowed to attend services on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening. Or if I'm going to be constantly away and not be able to attend maybe even on a Wednesday, I'm not going to accept this job. And God has always supplied what I needed. He has always supplied what many of our, uh, of our brothers and sisters need, and He will supply what you need if that is, this, is something that you have to take a stance on someday. Or what about our extracurricular activities? Maybe it's not outside of work. Maybe it's a hobby. It's a hobby, and I want to go ahead and say right now that I am certainly not against hobbies. I, I love basketball. I love more than just about, just about any other hobby. I love a good day in the woods. In fact, Yesterday, Saturday, was the opening day of, of rifle season here in Kentucky. And that's where a lot, a lot of men are out in the woods this morning. And i, I got to say, that is something that I love to do. That is something that I, that I would like to be participating in, but not today. Not this morning. I'm not going to choose anything over the opportunity to be gathered together to worship God but also to be gathered together to worship with you, to be gathered together to learn from you, to be edified and built up from you. Oftentimes people miss services because they say, well, I had uh, too many aches and pains. And, and as I said, this is a, a reason why we can understand someone would miss, but sometimes those some same ache and pains that we have, we wake up with the next morning and travel right on into work. We wake up with and maybe go to the store to buy groceries or maybe even on on a Sunday afternoon run to the mall to get something that we needed. Maybe we're having family over. Or maybe we're we're planning a, a big day or we're getting ready to go on a vacation the next week. Or maybe we just wanted time to ourselves. We could list a, a million reasons why someone might put off attending services. But then we need to ask ourselves the question, if that's what we're doing, then are we truly putting on Christ? As Matthew 10 says in verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. 
The thing is, are we, what we're asking, what we need to be asking ourselves, what I ask myself and what each one of us needs to do is say, am I committed? Am I committed to Christ? Do I have a wholehearted desire? Do I have a wholehearted dedication to worshiping and obeying Him? And being a part of His body, do I have a commitment to the rest of His body? The rest that I make up a part of? Let me ask you, would your boss accept it if you showed up on Monday, maybe maybe came in the morning and said, I'm going to go home, I'm going to leave for the rest of the day. I don't feel good. I've got family coming over. I, uh, I just decided Tuesday, well... The buddies were getting together for golf, so I just went and played golf with them. And Wednesday I was going to come, but, well, you know, my favorite show was coming on, right, when you expected me to be here. And, and I decided, well, I would just stay home with the family and, and, and watch that show, and we would have good times together. We would build up our family relationship at this time. And Thursday I started to come in, but, but I woke up and my back was hurting, and I thought, well, maybe just another day off. And Friday, well, Friday I woke up. And you know what I did? I got online and I found the mission statement that we have as, as, as a business. And so I studied that mission statement. I looked it over and I even got all my family together and said, look, this is what I do for a living and, and this is what our purpose is. And, and we even thought about it. We, we thought about the business and we thought about how we can make it better, but I didn't come into work. I, I didn't come into work. I decided it would be better to do that and stay at home. We can all understand what our boss would probably say. You'd probably say, well, okay, that's fine. That's, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to come in next week either. In fact, you don't have to come in ever again if you don't want to. But you can accept that we're not going to give you a paycheck also. Or what about your kids? What about your family? How would they feel like if, if you were as committed to them as you are committed to Christ? Maybe it's at a, a, a game that they have or a sports activity or a school function and and you just decide there's more important things to do than going to support that. You decide it would be better to go hang out with your friends or go enjoy a day on the lake instead of going and, and watching your, your son play basketball or your daughter's chorus recital or whatever it is that's going on. How would they feel? How would they feel at that time? Could they honestly say that, that you are committed to them? Would they be able to say that, that you really want to raise them up and encourage them to do their best? Of course not. Of course they wouldn't feel that way. But yet we give those things our full attention. We do so because we don't want to be fired. And we want our children to feel our support. We want our children to grow. We want them to be the best at what they do. So why do we seek these things first? And the kingdom of God second, or third, or worse. And here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. I absolutely need to get together with you all. I could not function if I didn't get together with you all. Sundays, Sundays supercharge me. They are what just fills my tank up, and I'm ready to go. But Wednesday, Wednesday is the day that I think I love the most. Wednesday, right in the middle of the week. Wednesday is like the eye of the storm. When everything is beaten down on me, when everything is, is, is come hard, you feel like you're in the trenches and you're working and it's just, you're, you're so worn out. Wednesday is that pick-me-up. It's the reprieve in battle. 
Wednesday is like that tall glass of water after a long, hard day of work. It's refreshing. And that's exactly how God planned it to be. That's what God expected for the family to do to one another. To relieve one another whenever they, whenever they are overburdened. To lift one another up. But the only way that the family can function the way God expects it to function, the only way the body can work the way Jesus intended for His body to work, is for all the parts to come together. All the parts can't be separated out everywhere and expect to work and function as a body. In fact, what God intended for the body to do is to cause the growth and development of each person, of each part, spiritually. In Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 12 through 14, we read about how, how we grow and how we develop. In verses 12 it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Sermons, Bible studies, these sort of things are that reason of use. That is how we use the Scriptures to help one another to grow into a mature Christian, to help one another grow into one who can discern both good and evil. But not just the sermons, not just the Bible studies. Colossians 3 and verse 16 tells us that even our singing, our singing together, yes, we are praising God, but we are teaching one another. The words that we sing in these songs, we're singing with one another, we're also singing to one another. Songs like Dare to Stand Like Joshua. Dare to Stand Like Joshua, I think, is a wonderful example of a song that teaches us. Because not only are we making that commitment to God and praise that we can have the ability to stand like Him, like Joshua, because of who God is, but we are telling one another, I'm going to stand like Joshua. You can stand like Joshua. We're going to be together as an army of the Lord. We're not fighting alone. We're fighting together. Our singing helps us to grow. Our prayers, the Lord's Supper, even the collection. These are all things that are designed to bring us closer to God on a vertical level, but they bring us closer to one another as well on a horizontal level. But our growth is completely dependent on our diet. That should be no surprise to us whatsoever. We should be able to completely understand that. If I, if I slide all food away from me and say, I am, I'm not going to partake of food anymore, we all understand that I am going to starve. I'm going to starve and I'm eventually going to die. And the same is true. You can't grow as God intended you to grow by starving yourself. And those who have irregular attendance, uh, irregularly attend services, excuse me, can possibly suffer from spiritual malnutrition. And oftentimes something that's scary that goes along with starving Sometimes people don't realize they're starving until, until their body is detrimentally damaged. Even leading to brain damage where so many things are, have gone and so many parts of the body have shut down to preserve the most important parts of the body 
Oftentimes you'll see people who, who maybe suffer from something like anorexia. And they have no idea what they are doing to their bodies until sometimes it is far too late. The same can be true for a Christian. We can leave ourselves open and susceptible to temptations rather than living a strong, joyful, peaceful life as a faithful Christian. I've personally known, excuse me, I've personally never known a Christian. I've personally never known one who has a very sporadic, very weak attendance life to be a strong, faithful Christian. To be someone who is grounded and ready to stand up whenever things against them uh, beat upon them. Whenever the, the armies of Satan and the forces of evil, whenever those things come against them and they are faced with temptation, I've never known them to be particularly strong in that. So yet another reason that we should attend every service is that we need to remember that we can be a good example and a good influence on others. Turn with me over to 1 Timothy 4 and chapter 12. 1 Timothy 4 and chapter 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Christians are to set an example both to each other, as it says in this passage. And notice in this passage it doesn't say, be an example to those who are just weaker than you. It says, be an example to the believers. Which believers? All of the believers. All of those who are of the body of Christ. We are commanded, be an example to them. But also, as Matthew 5 says, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we are to be an example to the world. In verses 14 through 16, he talks about being the light on the hill. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We sing that song. We sing it today in, in the children's class. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And we talk about how, how we're not going to put it under a, ba a bushel. We're not going to set it under a basket. We're not going to let Satan blow our lights out. We're going to shine that light all around our neighborhood. One way in which we can do that for both our brothers in Christ and our sisters in Christ, whether they be babes, whether they be spiritually weak, whether it be a visitor or even our very own children. One way we can do that is by our faithful attendance to the services. It sets a good example. You may have heard the quote in, in times past that says, what we tolerate today, our children will embrace tomorrow. I can't honestly give you the, the person who said that. I looked and looked as I thought about this sermon to find out who was it that first said that quote. Everything seems to go back to Glenn Beck, and I'm not willing to say that he was the originator of these wise words. But it's absolutely true. It is absolutely true. What we tolerate today, what we put up with today, our children are watching us. Brothers and sisters, our children see us. Those who are weak see us. Our neighbors see us. And, and they realize 
if that was good enough for them, then it's absolutely good enough for me. If it was good enough for my parents to just go here and there, maybe on the first Sunday, maybe just only on Sunday, if it's good enough for them, well, then it's good enough for me. But then what we see is they grow. Sometimes the attitude grows that maybe, maybe once a week wasn't, wasn't really that important. Maybe I don't need to go at all. Maybe I can continue to, to lower my significance of, of services and my attitude towards attendance. That's what we can expect. If we have shown them, whether it be our children, whether it be those who know us, if we have shown them that we show an insignificance to the family of Christ and to the, uh, the services that we have with one another. So maybe you think, well, yes, I understand that it, is, it is, fulfills the commandments of God. I understand that it helps me to grow and develop. And I provide a good example, but, but here's the thing. I can survive on one service a week. Maybe that's the way you feel. I can survive about that way. But what about those who can't? What about those who can't survive and need encouragement and notice that you're missing? Those who say, well, if it's okay for them to do it, it's okay for me to do it. They seem to be doing all right. They seem to be kicking it and making it. I'm going to try it too. Are we really bearing with the scruples of the weak whenever we have this attitude? Instead, let's try to think of of passages like 1 Peter 2 and verse 12, where it says we will have our conduct be honorable among the Gentiles. You will influence your friends. That is outside, that, that is not a question. That is a statement. You will influence your friends. You will influence your family. You will influence your neighbors. The question is will that influence be good or will it be bad? If you're choosing to come to services as often as you possibly can, they are going to admire your conviction and dedication and they're going to question it. They're going to actually look at it and go, that's really neat that you do that. It's good, but why? Why do you do that? It's just the second service. It's just Wednesday night. They're just going to get together and talk about some things. It's not a real service because it's not Sunday morning. They're going to ask questions, but that's going to lead you to opportunities to answer those questions and to encourage them and to build up the kingdom. That is exactly what Jesus wants. It's for us to be living a life that causes people to ask questions. To not be conformed to the world, as Romans 12 says, but to be transformed. So they look at us and say, why do you do that? Why do you live that way? And absolutely, least of all these brothers and sisters, you being here, it's an encouragement, it's an example, it's an influence on me. It provides me a great deal of support to see each and every one of you here. A soul that joins together in assembling with me to worship our God together with me strengthens me, encourages me, reminds me that I'm not alone. I'm not dealing with the problems of this world by myself. Not in here. Not with my family around me. But your absence provides the opposite. Your absence provides anxiety. It causes me to worry for your soul, to fear for your spiritual well-being. 
So why attend every service? Why is it so important? Because the faithful child of God, attending every service allows us to fulfill the commandments of God. Attending every service causes us to grow and to develop spiritually. Attending every service that we possibly can provides a good example and an influence to those around us. For so many reasons, for so many reasons, we should have the attitude of the psalmist as we read in our scripture reading this morning. I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. All of this could be summed up probably by this one story that I heard this week of an old arthritic woman who hobbled her way to church, rain or shine, every time the doors were open. One day someone asked her and said, why why do you put so much effort into this? And how do you even do it? I've seen you as you you walk down the aisle, it, it it, it looks like you're just in great deal of pain as you walk just in this little distance, but yet you walk to church every time. And her response to her, or her response to this this question, was, well, my heart gets there first, and I guess my old leg to just follow along. I thought, "That's, that's the key. That is where it all begins, is in our heart, is in our attitude towards the church, towards God. Let's ask ourselves, what is our attitude? Are we redeeming the time that we have left, using it as much as possible in service to the Lord? As I said, given bonus points, if you can figure out what from this sermon is right inside this room. And if you chose the the board on the wall over here that says attendance, good job, but that's... That's hopefully not the only thing that we saw in this sermon that's possibly in this room. Maybe we saw something from this sermon was inside of us. Maybe it was inside of our heart. If that's our attitude this morning, the attitude that we, that we have talked about this morning, that, that maybe attendance isn't quite as important to us as it, as it should be, that's okay. Because we can change. We can make a a difference in our lives. We can make a difference in our children's lives. And it all begins with just a simple step. Here in just a moment, we're going to be singing, if you want to go ahead and take your songbooks out. Song number 343. Let Him have His way with thee. Oftentimes our attitude says, let me have my way with you. We look around the world and we see that. Let me worship the way I want to worship. Whether it be to, to worship in the woods in a tree stand. Whether it be to worship in a way that you have not authorized. So many times around the world we say, let me have my way. That's not the attitude that we should have today. Maybe that's the attitude that you have had. As we sing this song, consider how we teach one another. To say that... The attitude we should have is let Him have His way. God, have Your way in my life. If you need that this morning, if you need Him in your life to become a child of God, to obey His commands toward attaining salvation, or maybe you need to to realize that you just need to walk more rightly. You've already made those steps, but you have have laxed yourself maybe in your attendance. 
maybe in your service to Him in some other way. If that be your desire this morning, won't you please let it be known? Won't you come forward now as we stand and sing?